Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice, episode 124, my conversation with the beautiful Julie Jacobson. I met Julie when I very first moved to Utah, um, back when I was still uh, LDS. Um, Julie was in my uh, my, con- my local congregation, uh, and she is just, she's so beautiful and full of grace, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, but I'm always... I feel like a permanent need for like women, especially, um, but just for, for role models in the art community, people who have lived more life than I have, who I can look up to and kind of see like, how is this person doing it? How is this person maintaining like, you know, artistry and, um, like an, like an art filled life, um, as they age. And Julia is certainly one of these people. She's just, I don't know. She's the kind of person that you can't not just be, um, affected by, I think. And, um, when I first started this podcast, Julie was battling, um, cancer and then there was a pandemic and I I've had her in mind to interview for the podcasts from the very beginning, but it just, it didn't feel safe until pretty recently here. So it's such an honor to have Julie come and talk, uh, and share her story. And I hope you guys find it inspiring as well. Um, in terms of news, you know, it's just the same stuff. The hallowed wide is just, it's coming at you. I've got a brand new song every month between now and October. Um, so stay tuned. This, this month's song is, uh, is, like 80s vibes and uh, I was born in the 80s I grew up listening to and loving 80s music I love 80s rock I love 80s pop I love new wave um and it's it's kind of shocking to me that this uh has not found its way into my music in a more um you know highlighted manner until now but you know better better late than never so um if you're if you're like me and you love the 80s make sure you're paying attention uh the the new song will be out april 22nd but i'll i'll be having lots of like cool things kind of out between now and then teasing and um hinting and all you know all that good stuff so stay tuned uh, remember the hallowed wide is a concept record so if you want to dig deeper and have kind of like the the lore experience and really feel like, you know, a story is being unfolded to you over the course of a year. That's how I designed it to be. Um, I designed it to be like really dramatic and multifaceted. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, it's there if you want it. And if you want to just kind of have it be like singles, you know, boring old singles, that's up to you, man. That's up to you. Um, anyway, okay, that's all. So now I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Miss Julie. It's not a surprise that Julie Jacobson became a fine artist. All of the women in her family have been artists in one way or another. Her paternal, her paternal grandmother sold paintings in Laguna Beach. Her mother and sisters have all been fine art painters. We, here's a quote. We call it the family disease, and now my daughter Grace has it too. Grace just got her master's in fine art. We feel a constant pull to create in some way, and sometimes it's pretty annoying when you aren't in the mood. Oh my gosh, I really relate to that. Julie was an art major at the University of Utah, but was extremely at odds with the department in the 1970s. So she switched to art history and gobbled that up. Life happened, and when she was one year short of completing her degree, she had to drop out. She was very fortunate to have some excellent private teachers, Robert Rommel and Elaine Bradshaw. My painting career came to a halt at, a, at a halt at one point because I got very discouraged with marketing my art in Utah. That's also relatable. I needed to go out of state but felt my family was too important. So there was a lull for a while. And Julie tells us all about this in her interview too. Um, 
This is my favorite thing. Julie has reinvented her art several times. She discovered mosaics made with broken china and glass. Then there was a flurry of work in the shape of hearts and the names after famous literary heroines. I had to throw almost all of the supplies away as I wasn't painting anymore. I didn't want to lose my painting, my painting talent. And she'll, you'll hear more about that. I, I love the way that Julie has just reinvented again and again. And this is exactly what I mean about looking for role models. Um, in 2016, Julie was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and couldn't sit up to an easel to paint. So she started doing watercolors. Um, yeah, and we'll, I'll let her tell you more about that in the interview. Um, Julie has a wonderful husband. He is wonderful. I've met him and he's fantastic. Five talented kids and 10 gorgeous grandchildren. We love living in Murray. Murray City has been very good to me. I've had many employees that are my customers. And top of that list is former Mayor Dan Snar. <laughs> and you can see more of Julie's work at laughinghorseart.blogspot.com. Okay, that's plenty. That's plenty in the intro. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy it's spring. Um, I can't wait for all it's to come. I, I think I mentioned it last week, but I'm already like, I think five, ep five episodes in, uh, recorded for season six, which is starting in July. So like, you know, I got stuff for you guys. I'm, I'm going to have content for the whole rest of the year ready within, you know, maybe the next two months. So stay tuned. And for today, please enjoy my conversation with again, the beautiful Julie Jacobson. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Want to see it? I know he's so precious. She'll want to see the picture with Bear and he's, you. He's very precious, and and my other sister, and, and my brother who loves dogs, but he's too old he's now too to old have it. Yeah, well, because they're in a uh, retirement place. Yeah. Um, Bear is my first dog. I never had dogs growing up, so oh. and I'm his first human because he he lived in the racetrack before, oh. so they don't have like an owner. They just live in like a kennel, so we're we're each other's like first kind of experience Ooh. with having a. Well, that's really yeah. cool. Okay, yeah. so so are you ready? So yeah, yes. Okay. So, um, so when I was little, I used to sit with my mom. Sometimes I'd watch her pay the bills. And when my mom paid the bills, it was always a stressful experience for her. She was divorced when I was two and a half. Well, that's when my dad left. And I think the divorce didn't go through until I was about five. But um, anyway, she would pay the bills, and she had this red record that she would play. <laughs> And every and time she played the, every it time was she her played bill, the, it was her bill record. Yes, I love it. It was so, it was so soothing, wow. and it was so funny when she passed away. I found the bill record, and I was so excited because wow. I thought, oh, I can play it again. I hadn't heard it for years because she was in a retirement, or she finally was in a care center, and it was so scratched. It was yeah. unbelievable, and I tried to look it up to see if I could find it, and I gave up. I couldn't find a new one, so I threw it away. Now I'm sad because I bet yeah. probably I could find it. But anyway, inside of a lot of the bills, sometimes there would be like white cardboard or something like from a department store, and 
And I would sit and draw on that. Yeah. And my sisters, I have a brother, so I'm the youngest. Uh, I have a brother that's 11 years older, a sister that's eight years older, and a sister that's two years older. So my sisters and I have always been creative. Okay. Was your mom creative? My mom was. She was. Uh, she kind of dabbled in watercolors, cool. but she was creative in like decorating and cool. stuff like that. Just an artful person. Yeah. Cool. So, but my mom used to say that she couldn't really punish me by putting me in the corner because we had, I'd always, I mean, I'd find a bobby pin or something. Yeah. I'd find something to Sculpt. do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I totally relate to that. And I think like when I was a child, being alone was never a punishment for me either because I had such a... That's me. ...an imagination. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I I just, I could just entertain myself however, wherever. That's yeah. right. That yeah. was me too. I love it. Still, still the same. So when you were, do you remember being little, like, do you remember a time when like you kind of maybe started... I don't know, like self-reflecting about the way that you were creative, maybe like, did it, did it become like a self-soothing? Was it something that you felt like proud of? Like, what was your relationship like with your art? Maybe by the time you were like 10 years old or something? Uh, I think it wasn't self-soothing for me reading and I had several cats. Okay. And that was soothing because I had kind of a a really hard childhood. Yeah. Yeah. So, but as far as um, art, it's just that when I was in grade school, there were a couple of us and we were always the best artists. And so we'd get picked for doing projects and stuff. And so, and at home. Keep talking. Um, I'm just going to turn you up. Okay. So you, so when you were, um, when you were a child, you got chosen to you were like, sorry, what am I trying to say? I'm distracted because I'm turning Julie up. Will you just say like, check, check, check. Check, check, check. Yeah, you could probably pull that a little closer to yourself okay. too if you want. Oh, sorry there. Okay, and that's um, fine. So um, when you that, were that's little, better. yeah, that sounds better. Okay. Uh, when you were little, you you pretty early on had like adults or teachers who would kind of um, like feature you. Like uh, it was something. Well, it's just teachers that would say, okay, we want a poster in the library. Right. So Julie and Jean, and there were, it seems like there was somebody else, but I remember Jean Kimball. Cool. So we were the ones, oh, okay, let's get them to make yeah. the poster in the library. I love these kinds of stories. I, I feel like it's so important. It, it feels to me like evidence for, you know, why it's so important to support children um, in their creativity, because yes. it gives you this sense of purpose. Like, well, I'm a person who can create something for the library or you know, it helps you kind of like form your, your kind of early identity as a, as a child. Right. And I have to just say, I taught art for 11 years, adults and children. Yeah. And I, the adults, you didn't have to tell them this, but with the children, I'd say, Okay, so when you're doing your painting, if you feel like you want to make the sky yellow, that's fine. Because right. totally. I always wanted them to feel like they could be creative yeah. and not be stilted like when I was raised during the 50s and totally. 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to talk more about that. Like, So you did feel as a, as a, as a child like your divergent thinking and your creativity was kind of had a, a lid on it? 
no. No, but you know, the thing about it is I'm different from my sisters. My sisters are more right brain, yeah. even more than I am. I'm more left brain than they are. Yeah. And I never felt controlled with my art. Cool. I did have an experience in fifth grade, and this was very interesting, where they had us um, choose a magazine picture and paint it. Cool. And I still have it. I painted some just the eyes of an Asian lady and they could not believe it how wow. and I look at it now and I think how did, how did I paint I that? that when I was in fifth grade I made a little mistake and I had to um cut out a piece of paper and paint over it but I still wow. have that I yeah. love that and that I've said this to guests before who've kept their childhood works oh I have lots I I do too of my things that I made as a child and it's, it's such a, I don't know, it's such a gift to, to have the way it feels to me is like to have had enough kind of self, um, valuing to cherish your work as a child. Well, now I don't have a lot when I was real little, but from like high junior high, high school on, I think it counts. <laughs> yeah, that counts. But I just have a little bit, you know, it's the typical, I mean, I see, like my granddaughter that's um, 10, no, she's nine, and my other granddaughter that's 11, they are better artists than I ever was at wow. that age. Why do you think, do you think just because like they, they have more uh, resources? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because they both look at, they love anime right. type there's um, so many, animation. there's so much content. Yeah. Um, you said you love to read. What kinds of things were you reading? Oh, I love the Wizard of Oz books. Cool. Kind I of read fantasy. Yeah. And, but I would do things like, um, I don't know, I was just kind of a rebellious child or something, not in a bad way, but yeah. I wanted to read a Christmas carol in like third grade. And the yeah. librarian said, well, scary. <laughs> can you read this book? Oh. <laughs> Are you sure you can read it? I said, yes, I'd like to read it. And so she made me read a chapter and then summarize it. Like third wow. grade. And I did. She says, okay, I guess you can read it. Yeah. So I did read that. <laughs> I also picked out a book in sixth grade that nobody would have picked out. Yeah. It was kind of a Southern type historical novel. And I read the whole thing. It took me a long time. But, um, and I also was, I, from the time I was little, just always felt like God was there. Yeah. So I read scriptures. I think I read the whole new, well, the New Testament when I was in sixth grade. Wow. That, these kinds of stories also feel like so important to me in the context of like creative development, having kind of your own advocacy. I want to read this, even though it's not what like the yeah. other kids are reading. And also like, you know, I don't know if you think about it this way as a child, but kind of taking it upon yourself to like put more stories in your brain. So you have more kind of experience to kind of work with when you're creating output. Well, see, and <clears throat> excuse me, let me have a little drink Yeah, here. please. And there's tissues here too. Mm. I'm fine with that. Um, no, I, and I tell um, Chris, my husband, even now and anybody I have a movie in my mind. Yeah. I always have. When I read, 
it's a movie. And so I'm constantly listening to books, audios and stuff and reading. I have books all over the house, every yeah. room. Cool. Going all the time. And so that's how I was as a child, reading. Yeah. And my sister and I created constantly. My mom didn't care. In our rooms, we had, we did a newspaper in grade school. We had science experiments. I think wow. our room must have smelled terrible <laughs> with the microscope. and everything. I love that though. Like, I mean, again, it's such a small thing for a, for a parent to just say, you know, feel free to play, feel free to experiment, but it's so valuable for a child, I think, to have that kind of like advocacy, ownership, like feeling like you can kind of, um, you know, chart your little course. True. And um, from my mom had to go to work when I was in fourth grade because uh, she didn't get that much in alimony and child support and her bills were piling up. And so I became, my sister and I, uh, my brother and my other sister were long they were Dude, gone. Kind of graduated, yeah. Yeah. Well, married and stuff. Okay, yeah. And so Carrie and I, from in fourth grade, well, I was in fourth grade. She was in sixth. We became latchkey kids. Yeah. And back then, nobody was that way. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't happening a lot until like the 80s. Right. I mean, we didn't know anybody with parents that were divorced. Yeah. And um, so... We were glued to the TV set, and my mom got really mad, and she came home and took the tubes out of the TV, and we had no TV for a whole year. Oh, my gosh. So then... You had to get creative. We we made uh, thongs. We called them zodies back then, out of cardboard. And and we started sewing and knitting, and, of course, we did drawings. I did more drawing. I didn't do a lot of painting. Cool. Um, did your, did your mom prioritize like having supplies for you? Um, yeah, Yeah. we, it was mostly crayons and colored pencils, but because she went to work, she had us, and back then it was not a worry. We went up to the university of Utah and took classes up there, like sculpture kids as little kids. Oh my gosh. And the art barn that's by the university of Utah. Now it's art gallery. Now they had, um, children's art there so we went up there so we had a lot of lessons in the summertime that's amazing that's really cool um were there any other mediums that were important to you like did you do any music or dance oh yes um I loved to dance and I loved it in fact I come home from school and just put on records and I dance for hours and more so than my sister, we, or I should just say, um, I took ballet in grade school. My skin was so sensitive, my tights itched, so I quit. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> but then I, I took ballet um, in high school and after that. Wow. And um, anyway, and then, but I had to quit because when I was on toe, my feet would cramp. Yeah, which broke yeah. my heart. Yeah. So, yeah. but music, uh, I by the time my mom got to me, she was sick of forcing mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. So I begged for piano lessons. Finally, in high school, she hired 
a piano teacher, Sheldon Hyde. He was in the Utah Symphony. Wow. And he tried to teach me jazz. Cool, cool. But it wasn't good because, I mean, my mom played piano beautifully. Yeah. So I picked up a lot and everything, but I didn't know the basics. Right. And he would come with these blank sheet music Yeah, lead, sheet, lead sheets. Yes. Yeah. And put I know all about in it. And like the lower clef and say, figure out the top. And I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I fired him after you six months. You needed theory. Yeah. You needed I fired him. <laughs> so that was my music experience. But but I love dance. Cool. So um, at what age do you feel like you were when you started taking art like kind of seriously and trying to like really improve your skill? Well, um, I always thought I'd be an artist. Really? So always. How that did was... you know? Like, what was that like? Well, just I always wanted to be that. And um, wow. so I had planned on that to go into art after high school. Yeah. And I was in the art program up at the University of Utah. But after a year, I quit. Okay. I was so frustrated with the department up there. It was terrible. And now as a ma very mature person, I realize I should have toughed it out and ignored the teachers who yeah. were terrible. What? Well, I w I'd love to know. So I'm, I'm really interested in stories of like creative resilience. It sounds like you kind of came into the world as a, as a resilient creative. You had like um, strength about it kind of like inherently. Um, and I feel like even, you know, being, you know, 18, 19 in college and having, um, kind of the, the chutzpah to, to have a qualm with like a teacher is also like pretty strong. Like that's some good strength. Um, do you, is there anything you want to say about like maybe what you remember of, of having that like core identity as an artist? And I don't know how you did well, that. Or? Okay. So when I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was at the University of Utah, I came in, well, for one thing, everybody was the best in their school. Right. So it wasn't, you know, I was like, oh boy, this is going to be great. Sure. Everybody was the best at their school. But um, I came in there thinking of paintings and things like that. And they were mm. more into, at that time, uh, putting your name on a shovel and saying, this is art. Like postmodern kind of things. And funny, yeah. my daughter, Grace, that's, she doesn't do that exactly, but she's in the more postmodern art mm. and got her master's in that. And um, anyway, I just, well, this is really, <laughs> I got so mad at them. I went to a uh, like a secondhand store or trashy store. And they had, there used to be these models in department stores where they'd have bras on, yeah. on the models. And this was a triple. It was a plastic plexiglass model. Okay. Nude. Yeah. And I took this plastic model with the boobs <laughs> supporting on the floor. And I had plexiglass made to put on top that was red and I took it in and I handed it in. That was my art. Yeah, like a like, table. Was yeah. it like a table? Like yeah. a little, yeah, but it was short, tiny. Yeah. Which they loved, but it was like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is not what I want right. to do. You wanted to be working on like craft and like technique. Right. Um, when you were taking, so during the time that you were taking like classes and lessons in your teenage years, were there, um, 
like, I'd, I'd love to hear whether there were any, like what it was like to kind of like learn to work hard at your art. Well, teenager years, all I cared about was boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I didn't go to art lessons okay. at all in my jun- in junior high. And I mean, I can hardly remember anything that I learned there, but okay. I was always the best artist, you know. But, um, and then in high school, I didn't take any art lessons. How I did just, you learn how to do it? Well, okay, so, so this is it. Okay, I'll try to make this very short. But, okay, so I get out of, uh, so I switched from art to art history. Okay. And loved that. But I didn't graduate because my first husband got accepted to law school. I thought I'd finish my art later, or my degree later. And so being married to him, he loved sports, 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 sports. And I came from a very creative family. So we didn't mesh well. So for like 10 years of my marriage, I I did one painting. That was it. Oh, that's so sad. Especially when it was such like a a big part of your life before. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. When we were dating for a long time, I would be painting while his family would be watching football. Yeah. So we were not meant for each other. And he's found his perfect person. I found my perfect person. So anyway, when I got divorced, um, I just decided that I had let myself go. Yeah. My uh, your little sparkle, my sparkle of what was important to me. And I had two little boys and I just started to paint. And that's when I started to paint again. And then when I got remarried, like nine months later <laughs> to Chris, yeah, then, then I, it turned into a major career. Wow. That's awesome. So before that, like you really hadn't had any train, like formal training. Not, or, no. H- how did you learn? How did you oh, learn how okay. to do it? So I had two teachers, Elaine Bradshaw. She was for like a year and a half. She wasn't a good teacher for sure. And I liked her. And you were like a child? No, this, I didn't. This take, was later. No, okay. this is after my remarriage. Okay, okay. Okay, so I never had any formal, except for the kind of goof around in grade school, go okay. to the art barn. So before of. you were married to Chris, you had, you were just kind of following your, just no no specific skill training. Well, I lost my art ability. Okay, okay. So because of 10 years of not doing anything, right. wow. when I started to draw again, I had forgotten how to draw a face. Wow. Did that take, did that take like some courage to try again? Well, it came about because, uh, well, before I got remarried, I spent a lot of time by myself because Cliff and Kip went to their dad's house and I just had to, and I was dating and stuff, but I had to fill some void and I decided to start painting again and but I didn't really start drawing again until I married Chris. And then I was determined. Actually, my sister said, well, you know what? You'll become a better artist if you earn money. And yeah. it's really true yeah. because you want to get that paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so you 
really improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So now tell me about your teachers. Starting okay. With. So, but the teacher that had the biggest influence was Robert Rumel. Okay. I know. I also, it's morning and we have phlegm. I know. We have phlegm in our throats. <laughs> well, that happens when you, when I talk a lot. Um, so Robert Rumel, he was kind of like a modern day Leonardo da Vinci. Wow. He was like into, that's how Leonardo da Vinci was. He was into everything, yeah. you know, all different things. And that's how Robert Rumel was. I mean, you'd go there to his class and, oh, we are making dolls, China dolls. My wife and I, we're doing dolls or we're doing this computer thing or we're doing this. And um, he is the one that taught me my technique of uh, doing brilliant underpainting and layering, layering, layering colors on top. And then when you're finished, you leave little sparkles of that brilliant underpainting. But it takes guts. And he said, I was the only one of his students that ever took it on. Wow, Julie, that's big. What was it like taking that class? Like, were you older than other people in the class? Were you like the same age? No, I mean, his class was like you came in whenever you wanted to. Okay. We just dropped into the class. And my sister, Suzanne, was in the class with me for a lot of the time, too. Okay, cool. But um, anyway. I love that, that you and your sister... Okay, I want to make sure Bear didn't just unplug that. <laughs> Did you hear it? A little crackle? Mm-mm. Bear, excuse me. Bear's all tangled up in my cables. <laughs> Sorry, just a quick sec. Uh-oh. I can chop this out in the middle. Okay, we're good. We're fine. Okay. Oh, he did. He unplugged my headphones. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. What did you do? He just unplugged my headphones. It's okay. Here, lay down on your blankie. Ooh, that looks soft and cuddly. Uh, Bear is also soft and cuddly. And also, this dog, he is the most stubborn dog. Like, do you see how he won't move? Yes. <laughs> He's so stubborn. Okay, we're Eventually. fine. We're all good. <laughs> Eventually. Um, I wanted to ask, like... I, I don't know. I just find this like, I feel like, I feel like I would, I would have really struggled to have the courage to even advocate for myself in those small ways of like going to a class or, or something. Um, and I'm, I just am trying to understand, like, did that feel like this was just, you had support from your sisters and your mom? Well, I had, biggest of all, I had support from Chris, my husband, right? Because we didn't have a lot of money. He yeah. was an electrician. And I mean, I was a stay at home mom. So like, I mean, I, I have been a real gutsy person. How did you learn it? Oh, How oh. did you do it? It's, I think, I don't know. It's just, it's me. It's just in your nature. Well, what finally, no, not necessarily. Oh. It finally, I worked up this thing in my mind of, okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go out and find work for my art. They can tell me they hate me. They don't like me. I'm ugly and don't like my work. Is it going to stop me? No. Cool. I'm going to jump from the kettle into the fire. So I just, and that's a whole big adventure in itself. You can I, tell as much as, that's my favorite kind of stuff. Okay. So, so tell whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> I so, love it. One of the paintings, I brought my portfolio here, and let's see if I can find 
Phil Hansen's painting. Let's see. Yeah, I love just like hearing about how how artists, you know, stake a claim in their identity and advocate for their art and have kind of resilience. I think it's so important and there's stories that we just I don't know, I think we don't tell them enough. Well, I th- I think the thing about it is I always since my sister said that and because we needed like we needed a microwave oven. Yeah. We needed things, you know, extra things. I just and I was not that way growing up. Mm. I wasn't a take charge person. Yeah. Yeah, I was not that way. But I became that because I realized if we wanted extra things, I'd have to do it. Okay, so see this painting right here. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It's like this beautiful house with like a what's this called? The tower kind of a thing? A tower. It's on South Temple. Okay. And Phil Hansen's house at the time. See the Jaguar in front? I do see it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So so I decided um this was kind of more towards the beginning of my career of really getting out there. Uh, I just decided to make a business card, which I did. Wow. And I hit the avenues and I went door to door. Do you want to, because I had started with doing home portraits for people. Julie, this is such a cool story. And so anyway, (laughs) I love it. Well, especially because like, I mean, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't alive at this time. This would have been in like what the... No, like, this is 80s. So I was born in 88. So... Oh, 85. Yeah. So Okay, 85. So I don't, I don't have like specific memories of being alive like during this time, but I have to imagine that this was like people... There were probably not a lot of women doing things like this. Like this well, seems very well, brave. Well, no, artists, I didn't know artists that did this. And no artists, yeah. No, no but no, I wanted no artists at all. I wanted things like a new microwave oven. See how important that is. It's so creative it, though. Like I love, because like, you know, you're making art and that's your creativity, but also making a business card, having this idea, maybe people who live in this neighborhood in the avenues, like would like portraits of their homes. That's so, yeah. it's so creative. So I did that. And I come to, well, Phil Hansen used to be the attorney general here okay. in Utah. So I, but I didn't know who he was or anything about the house. So I just rang the doorbell and I said, your house is really beautiful. Would you like a painting of your house? Cool. Yes. He grabs me by the arm, jerks <laughs> me into the house. And I'm going, oh, I, I don't know this man. Scary. This is yeah. scary. Come on a tour of my house. Okay. Oh, wow. So <laughs> top to bottom, down to the wine cellar, in wow. his bedroom, all his antique stuff. And I was like, oh, this is really kind of weird. Yeah. And then we get to the front door and he says, yes, I do want you to do a painting. Pulls out a wad of bills and just sticks a bunch in my hand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and at that time, I think at that time, I'm not quite sure, but as it is now, I require half down on a commission. Yeah, cool. Then we know we're both serious. Yeah. So anyway, but I, I probably did say I wanted a certain amount down, but he just put this wad in my hand but he was, he was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and I got home and I told Chris, I said, he way overpaid me. I just feel dishonest about this. And so we both agreed. I just call him. I called him and he was like offended. It was like <gasps> telling him, you've been drinking. So you gave me too much money. I, I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, of course. He just said, just keep it. I, it's fine. <laughs> but it wasn't. Oh my gosh. So anyway, 
But he wanted his Jaguar in front of the wow. building. And so, okay, so this kind of is, see, all of my paintings have really interesting stories. I love it. So years later, I was teaching art and um, my student classes, once a year, I'd have exhibits at libraries where we just plaster the walls with their paintings. The librarians loved it. Cool. And so we were having an exhibit at the library in Sugar House. Or wait, actually, hmm, that wasn't the student exhibit. Okay, this was another exhibit at the library in Sugar House. Okay. And it was just of my paintings. That's cool. what it was. Okay. Cool. So anyway, so it was real great. We have a reception and all that. And this lady comes up to me and she said, um, I think I had borrowed the painting for the exhibit because I have an agreement that they have to release the painting. For exhibits. For exhibits. So I had borrowed the painting. That was a story in itself. But anyway, and really... To go talk to Phil again. No, it was his daughter. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't need to discuss that because <laughs> okay. that was weird. Okay. So anyway, um, he was a really nice man, but definitely different. Well, anyway, this lady comes up to me and she was furious when she saw the painting she oh, said no. my dad ran against him for attorney general oh, no. and she said he was a crook you know who paid for that jaguar we did the taxpayers we all paid for that oh, car so, <laughs> but he wanted the car in the painting he wanted the car in the painting did, so did you paint it outside no did you... i never do that i okay. take, take i go to the houses and I don't do those anymore, but I would take tons of photos. And then some of them on the more important commissions, I'd even go back and I have in my sketchbook sketches of detailing. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Like little things on the, on the Studies, houses. Because yeah. a lot of times the photographs, you can't see what's going on. Right, right, right. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. So that was your first like little business venture, painting houses or painting photos? Well, okay. So the reason, okay, this is another story, how I got into painting houses. Okay. So my divorce attorney, um, there was a remainder uh, that had not been paid. Um, my ex-husband used the same attorney. There was a remainder and I was the one that had to pay the remainder. Yeah. was not fair really. Yeah. But Doug Mortensen great guy. Uh, I grew up by him, didn't know him growing up, but he was my attorney. And he said, well, how about if you paint the building? It the was trade. the Dinwoody house on, I think it's Second South, I think. And um, anyway, he said, how about if you paint this building? That was my fit first home portrait. Oh, cool. And it turned out really beautiful. I've got a picture of it in here. Which, and then you have this same, um, you have this idea, maybe I can do more of this. Yes. Cool. Uh-huh. Cool. So then I did a lot. So then what happened? How did you start teaching art classes? Like what happened in between, in between Okay, there? so how that came about was I needed my hair done and stuff. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, how were you always so stylish? Oh. You've been, because I've known you only maybe 10 years, but you've always been so so stylish and artful in your presentation. Oh. And I wondered if that was something you always if had. If you think I'm arty, you should see my sisters. But anyway. <laughs> I do think you're arty. <laughs> but anyway, 
we grew up with a mother that insisted you always look your best. You wear sunglasses so you don't get crow's feet, not to protect your eyes. <laughs> okay. So you, <laughs> you won't get crow's feet. That's why. So yeah. anyway. Um, you needed to get your hair done. Yeah. And in the <laughs> 80s, it was perms. And I had my hair streaked too. So it was really expensive. So yeah. my hairstylist, um, I traded for a portrait of her two sons. I don't have a picture of it in here. It's in my other portfolio. portfolio. And anyway, I taught her son art. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, I'm getting confused. I taught her son art lessons and did a portrait Cool for her. That's what so it kind was. of started out. So it's kind of you're um, as you're having opportunities, kind of just rising to the occasion and thinking like, well, I could I could do this. I yeah. could paint portraits for you. I could do your house. I could teach your kids. Um, were there ever times that you wanted to, or, or did you paint things ever that were just like for you or your own kind of series or like things that you were just imagining, or was most of the work you were doing um, for commission? Uh, it was for commission because okay. I was too busy with kids. You had little kids. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and one year I only did one painting. Okay. And so you were teaching art, art classes, mostly like private lessons or were you? Were, private. Okay. And we, our house was, um, we had a finished attic upstairs. That's where our bedroom was. The, well, it was combination bedroom, family room, and my studio. Wow. Yeah. And which was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and my studio was in a dormer window, our old house. Yeah. And so uh, I would pull out all these tables and I taught, I just really got into it pretty wow. soon. Parents want their kids to learn. I love that. So I was getting ref referrals from like rules in different places. And so then after a while, it got to be where it was just overwhelming. So then yeah. I rented some places. That's really cool, though. Like it was private I and love, adults. Yeah, I love I love hearing stories of artists applying their creativity, like outside of their medium. You know, yeah. like just because so much of what we do, I think, is is that like mm -hmm. you know finding ways to advocate for our our creative skills. Well, yes, and also when you teach. You learn a lot yourself. And, Definitely. Okay, I have a little story about Please that. Please tell it. Okay. So, so my biggest fear was because I'd never done an ocean scene with the yeah. waves. I thought somebody is going to ask me, an adult, yeah. to, do, to help them with an ocean scene. The day did arrive. Yeah. So <laughs> when the lady said, I think I want to choose this, I said, oh, shoot, we don't have time to start that today. Yeah. Well, for the next week... I went to the library and got books on paintings and did a rough painting of the ocean with the water and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then um, when she came to class, it was like, okay, let's begin. Oh, Julie, I love it. It's so brave. It's so scrappy. Just like figuring it out. I think it's amazing. And, you know, not having kind of a scarcity mentality or like, a, well, I don't know how to do that. You know, it... I, it, maybe you felt like a little bit of fear, but mostly just like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure so it out. Cool. And my, my commissions were like that. I mean, especially as a woman artist, you are the one that does the marketing. Yeah. Um, my husband, Chris, he had a full-time job and we had 
little kids. And so I just, I put myself out there. And like I said, I didn't care. Oh, man, I know I made a fool of myself many times. You got to learn. Was it scary to begin that? Like, was it something like putting yourself out there? Was that something you like got better at or like? It was fun. Yeah, cool. Scary fun. Scary and fun. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Like what felt fun about it or what felt scary about it? Okay. So, so I gave you the story of how I got the commission for the Christmas box painting. Oh, you didn't tell it to me yet. Well, oh, you gave me, you handed me the story. Yeah. Yeah. Tell it. It's a long, well, it's so funny because I told it so much over the years that yeah. then I got sick of telling okay, it. Okay, you and don't I, have to tell. Well, no, I can still tell <laughs> okay. it. But I mean, I can basically, but there's so many details, details. that go into it. Yeah. But um, so my sister worked at Ethan Allen's and a friend that worked with her went to a book signing for Richard Paul Evans and bought his book, The Christmas Box. Cool. And so she gave it to me. And so I thought, well, his phone number is on there, or yeah, phone number at the time. Yeah. I'm going to call him and see wow. if he wants a painting. I love it. Gutsy, an <laughs> author. Gutsy. And so yeah. I go down and talk to him, and he was kind of interested. And it's so involved. But anyway, in the meantime, I also was trying to get myself into galleries. And one of them was remember the name of it. Oh, shoot. Okay. I can't remember the name of it. It was a major repartee. Okay. Repartee gallery. Cool. And in the meantime, I had talked to the owner, Sharon Swindle, I think was her name, of Repartee Gallery, and given her samples of my work and nothing had come of it. Okay. And so anyway, uh, but that was like a year before. And I talked to him. He was kind of interested interested. So a couple of months went by and she called me out of the blue. And she said, you know, I was going through my files and I came across your samples today. I don't know why I did. And so I don't know why, but I told her about the possibility of getting a commission for a painting of the house that's in the Christmas box story. And she said, and I said, but he's not called me back. She says, I think you should call him. I mean, there's a reason why I found these files today. And so anyway, so then I called him and he said, you know, can you work up, you know, some ideas? So I did, like I did with a lot of my commissions, did a colored sketch. So uh, when I went to meet with him to show him the colored sketch, the wind was blowing so hard and it blew it out into the middle of traffic. <gasps> oh no. But I retrieved it. I could have been killed. Yeah. I mean, it was really bad traffic, yeah. but something saved me and I got the commission and it turned out to be a really good thing for me. I ended up doing several more big paintings for him. Wow. How old were you at that time? Uh, that was in 1996. So... I'm really bad at math. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I was in my... You can just give me I like was probably a decade. A, yeah. I don't know. I was probably like 36. Oh my gosh, no, no, so 46. young. 46? 40. I don't know. Cool. I'm so bad at math. No, that's okay. That was um, in I just feel like a vague idea. It was a long time ago. That's, we were little still. I think that's awesome. Even just thinking, you know, 
I talk to so many people who, uh, as a teacher, you know, I'm, I'm sure you find this too, but talk to people who are, you know, 23 who feel like, well, if I haven't made it by now, I'll never make it, which makes me so sad. Like, I don't know. So I love the story of maybe being, you know, your, your mom, you have these little kids, um, and you're, you're advocating for yourself. It's just, I don't know. And it was really really hard. I mean, one time I had a commission where some people wanted a painting of a house that had, was long gone. And they brought me all these black and white photographs of this old house. I had to recreate the house. And um, so I get it all drawn out on the canvas. At the time, um, Charlie was probably about three and a half and Gracie was newborn. And I was down fixing breakfast and everything. I thought, where is Charlie? He was really naughty when she was newborn. (laughs) And I go upstairs and he has squeezed all this dark purple onto my palette. He was going to town on my painting. Oh no. With purple paint. Oh no. All over. And all these brushes, I mean there was for a couple of weeks afterwards I found other brushes with dried acrylic paint that got ruined. Oh no. But luckily I hadn't started painting it and I washed it off. It was okay. But yeah, I yeah, I struggled with the kids and trying to paint. Did you always believe in yourself? Or did you have to learn that? I still do. You still do. I love it. Well, or you I, mean you still have to work on it? I know. I still believe yeah. in myself. I still believe that I don't know why. I just feel like I can do this. I know yeah. I have the talent in me. I just haven't had the lucky break that I want to help our family. Yeah. Uh, we have a cabin that, you know, we would like to have a bigger cabin but I feel like with my talent I could do it yeah you I mean clearly you can yeah (laughs) do you want to say anything about um cultivating creativity like with your kids like how you kind of taught oh well my kids oh okay all my kids were in my art class cool and Grace and Charlie really thrived but Cliff and Kip well, Cliff argued the whole time, so I fired him from art class. <laughs> and Kip would go downstairs and cry on his bed. He's your oldest? No, Cliff is Cliff. my oldest, okay. and Kip is next. And Kip would go down and cry on his bed and be mad at me. So they were both fired from <laughs> art class. But Grace and Charlie were great. And Gracie, I mean, she'd go around with her hand on her hip and stand over the other students and say, I think you need to do this That's on your so painting. Funny. And I'd have to say, Gracie, you're not the teacher. Yeah. I am. <laughs> That's so, so funny. So anyway, but she just got her master's in more modern type art, wow. which is amazing. We're so proud of her. And Kip is really talented at writing. Cliff is an award-winning hairstylist wow. in Baltimore. Cool. And Charlie, I mean, he... He can paint. He's done some neat paintings when he was little. But he did stuff like one time I went into his room and he had taken the ground cover, the periwinkle ground cover outside and made wreaths in his bedroom. He was like in the fifth grade all over the place. I love it. Vinca Majora. Yeah. That's what that's called. Yeah. He had that. Yeah. All these wreaths. And so he doesn't do anything now. He's computers and stuff like that. That's creative too, though. But he does. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love that. that. I mean, I think creativity is so big. It, it gets into every part of our lives. It feels so important. And I don't know, I just, I just find stories of like cultivating creativity, standing up for creativity, making room for it to be so valuable, like whether or not it's in like the fine arts, but just in general kind of well being creative. With my students and my children, when they were in art class, I bribed them to bring in their doodles. Yeah. So in the back of their sketchbook, they had an envelope to keep their doodles because I said, someday you might look at those and think this could be a neat drawing or painting. Yeah. And so I, they would get candy when they came to class, if they brought in their doodles. I love that. And that's also like, you are, you are teaching them to value even their smallest creative works. That's such an important lesson. And I taught them art that I learned in my foundation program up at the University of Utah. So they got a lot of creative exercises in drawing for a while. Then they would paint. Yeah. So it's a combination. I'm glad you brought up doodling because I know you have like a kind of like a, a practice, a doodling practice. Yeah. Um, will you tell my listeners about it and how you do it? Well, okay. So I have sketched in church for a long time because I kind of get you know, a tiny bit bored. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I'm not paying attention. or. But anyway, I do better when I'm doodling. And so it's kind of turned into where a lot of my doodles are, I just do kind of like light circles. And I use ballpoint pen because you can't erase and fix that. I do light circles and then shapes on a page. And then pretty soon I see things. Mm -hmm. I see monsters. I see fairies. I see all sorts. And it's it's totally different from my house paintings. That is is all... You know, realism, like a photographic. I don't, I could never go back to those again. They're too hard and Mm. not creative. Yeah. And it's really disappointing right now because I haven't been able to doodle as much because I've had problems with pain in my hands and tremor and trying to figure that out. But um, anyway, that's how I do my doodles. I love it. And I, but, but if you looked at my beginning sketchbooks, they're horrible. It's like, uh, this is an artist. But as you see the progression of just, you let your mind flow. And that's what I tell people that have given up their art. I say, get a sketchbook, doodle sketch when you're like in church or whatever, and just start drawing Mm. and not worrying about what you're doing. I feel so the same way. I tell songwriters, like, just write bad lyrics. Just write, just write. You know, if you write, if you write 20 bad lines, you're going to get bored of writing those 20 bad lines and you're going to start writing some good lines. Well, it just will flow. Yeah. You'll figure it out. You'll get started. You'll start seeing new patterns. It will flow for sure. I love your, I love the photos that you post of your doodles because it really is. It's like, there's all these kind of circles and shapes that are sort of abstract and then yeah, you can tell like the lines you're darkening in of like, you see like something like a little character popping out. This is really terrible to say, but in our bathroom on the main floor, when you're sitting on the toilet, for me, (laughs) well, I have, we have faux painting on the wall. There's a little guy in the faux painting that's there every day. Looking at you. (laughs) 
he's, he's weird. He's kind of like a Picasso type character yeah. with like several eyes. But then I look around and I can see like knights and shining armor, but they're weird. And maybe they have like a monster coming out of their helmet or, yeah. I mean, I, I see things. It's like cultivating your imagination. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's really cool. So what did, so what, what did you do? Like after you started teaching classes, you got the Christmas box, like what have you, just tell me what so, you love about your your career and your so creative life. So I really got into marketing my art and I found that it was, I, it was just so hard in Utah because everybody's an artist or they know somebody that's an artist Mm -hmm. or they see your painting. They don't want to buy the painting. If they do, they want it for a hundred dollars or they want a print for $50 and then they'll spend a lot on framing. So I got really burned out with painting and my art class I did too because I've been doing it for yeah. such a long time and it was hard hard work. Once a year I had a, an exhibit and party for the families with the students and everything. So in 1999, I really just, I mean, I'd make money, but I'd spend so much in supplies and, yeah, and everything. Yeah, a little burned out. I got so burned out, I started to get kind of bitter. Yeah. And so then I got a job at a dental lab. Then I worked at JetBlue. Yeah. So. And then what happened? Like, how did you get back into, like, what happened? So, okay. So I didn't do too much in art, but I kept doodling. Yeah. But as far as paintings, I did a few here and there. And then when I got cancer in 2016... Then I had chemo and I couldn't sit up to my easel to paint very easily. Yeah. So I pulled out watercolors. See, I've been a, an acrylic and oil painter. Yeah. So I pulled out watercolors, which I really despise because they're so unforgiving. They, yeah, they really are. Really yeah. are. And I decided <laughs> to do a, a few cards, Easter cards for yeah. our grandchildren. And that came about because Chris retired and said, What? We're spending this much money on cards for everybody. We're not going to do that. We're going to make the cards. I said, well, that's not very nice because then I have to make the cards. (laughs) Yeah. He said, no, we'll just take photographs and paste it on paper. After a while, well, then I I decided to make these little Easter cards. And then pretty soon I did a couple of other ones. And then I had people say, well, I love those cards. I want some cards like that. Yeah. And so now I have done almost... Oh, I think I counted 128. Oh my gosh. You're always reinventing. I love yeah. it. Dur- how many years was it in between kind of stopping teaching and doing the portraits and um, and until starting got- again? Yeah, until well, I got so, sick. Well, um, so that was in, well, I got a job at a dental lab in 2000. And then, because stopping teaching and doing the commissions was at the end of 1999. So it was 16 years. Okay. During that so time. So I reinvented myself. Yeah. During that time, did you feel like, do you, did you feel like you still identified as an artist? Oh, I, you know, it's a disease of the family. Yeah. That's what we call it. Yeah. It's our family disease. How did you keep like a hold of that identity while you were in kind of like a, a dormant period? Well, The thing is, I did other things, you know, sewing and stuff like that. But 
it's always, and Gracie has the disease too. Yeah. And <laughs> it really is. It's like, I feel guilty. I should be creating something today. I feel bad. You know, I should do this and that. I haven't done anything for a while. Yeah. Always that creative drive that right. I've had for years so and what, years. Yeah, what, more specifically, what, what creativity were you experimenting with in those 16 years that you weren't really painting? I did a, a portrait of um, my boss's grandchildren. And, and so yeah, you I'm said just, you were sewing and like, what other things were you doing? Well, God, I can't remember because I was so busy working. And plus, I still had Grace and Charlie were graduating from, we're in high school and graduating and stuff like that. And we had some kids get married and yeah. then a few have divorces. Yeah. And so I was really busy, but... Um, but probably doing creative projects like just here and there. Oh, yeah. well... Oh, wait, wait, wait. I okay, forgot I'm a really ready. good... Okay, okay. tell me. <laughs> so I've had so many little time periods. Okay, so when I got laid off at the dental lab, which was the best thing that ever happened to me, um, then I was in young or in activity days at our church and that's like for the listener, that's like a, a, it's kind of, kind of like scouts, but for girls, right. Kind of like they do crafts and activities for, for girls, a child under the age of 12. Hmm. Yeah. Between like eight. Yeah. It's a good thing. Cause I just remembered something. Okay, great. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So I was looking through this book that I had given to Charlie. We did a mosaic project together with the pre-cut tiles. Oh, cool. So and it was like a kit? Yeah, it was a Okay, cool. The, the tiles were, but we did the project in okay. the book. It wasn't a kit. But, oh, okay. But okay. it was, we bought bags of pre-cut tiles. But there was a chapter on piquet assiette. Okay. I didn't take French. I don't know how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> but that means broken china, I think, in French. Anyway, it's mosaics made with broken china. Cool. So for activity days for one project, I taught the girls how to make, um, Chris cut out these wood pieces, hearts, and taught them how to do mosaics. Cool. And, well, they liked it, but I loved it. You loved it. I love that. And that's when I, so I didn't go back to work at JetBlue for a couple of years. And so during that time period, I probably did, oh, I don't know, maybe 40 of those hearts. Oh, my gosh. And started selling them and, and... So my little idea was, I'm going to name these after famous heroines in literature. Cool. So I have one for Scarlett O'Hara. I have one for Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird. I have all, and I sold quite a few of those. Do you feel like you're most motivated when you have like a project like that? Like you need like a, like a home for your, for the work? Uh, I don't know. Well, I just have, well, and I love to paint wood too. Yeah. So yeah. I love this. I love hearing you like reflect on like these chapters and like different projects that you're doing. It feels like, you know, I don't know if for someone who's like younger and looking forward, it's like just a great reminder that like, you don't know what project you're going to be working on, you know, in the next decade oh, or you don't know, look what happened to me. I get cancer. So cool. yeah. I mean, if, if I can think of a few good things about it, which is not great, 
that did turn me to that. And then because of the cards that I painted in watercolor, then I started making cards and people started buying them. And what did I tell you about me? For years, it was, I'll get better. If I earn money, that's great. And so... I've had a nice little card business going. That's awesome. And I love that. I I think I didn't misunderstand this. You said before, like, I'm just waiting. I'm like waiting for this lucky break. Well, so with um, my cards, I have an Etsy shop, but I've never opened it. But the thing is, uh, we've talked about it. And yeah. I know I could sell my cards because yeah. they sell like crazy. But the thing is, then I have to be at home to box up cards. Right. And, but then we have grandchildren all over the place. And it's kind of like, I don't know if I want to do that. So it's kind of like, Ur. kind of figuring it out. I'm sure you'll figure it out. But I was just going to say, I love it that like, you know, after all these years, can you tell us how old you are? So, oh, I don't even care. Okay, I don't 69. Care. Amazing. Beautiful. You <laughs> look not a day over 53. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I mean, this sounds kind of weird. But in my family, we all tend to look younger. You look, you're so pretty. I've always thought so. Well, thank you. But my son, Kip, he was telling me nobody ever believes how old I am. (laughs) He looks, we just, for some reason, look younger. Just look younger. I mean, great. That's great. (laughs) Good genes. Yeah. Um, But I, I, what I was going to say is I, I love that, like, you know, after almost seven decades on the earth. You, you you still have like so much hope about what you're going to do next. It's awesome. It's well, yeah. And now I have physical drawbacks. I have a, a like three conditions in my hands, a rare disease that is an orphan disease that they won't ever study or try to cure oh, no. that yeah. causes pain. I just have all these painful things in my hands. And I have a tremor, which we're trying to figure out how to help me on that. And can you imagine being an artist yeah. with a tremor? Yeah, it's. I'm sure that's devastating. It is. Really it's, scary. It's, it's infuriating. And so there have been times where I've had to say to Chris, I can't finish this mosaic. Here, glue this on. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll figure it out. I mean, you have done, you've done, you've had these reinventions already so many times. Well, and with the mosaics, I love that so much because I like, you know, doing puzzles and stuff. It's like doing puzzles. And I was doing them, but I wasn't painting. So one day I made a decision to throw away all of, and I had all this broken china that I'd gotten from the DI and glass. I just kept a little bit of the nice glass and things that were hard to collect and threw it away. And I thought, okay, if I do this, then I'll start painting, which was true. Wow. Yeah. I love that you like knew that that was your boundary too. That's really cool. Um, have you, have you taught your grandkids create creative skills? Uh, well, I've tried, but we only have one grandchild that lives here in Salt okay. Lake and we don't see her a lot cause she's at her dad's place sometimes. sometimes. And, um, so I tried to do, um, uh, Marco Polo art class with my grandkids and they kind of liked it but they kind of fell away they kind of were into it but then they just didn't stick with it I I need to be there yeah I wonder if like when they get a little bit older they'll they'll uh search seek you out for those kinds of things for help I hope so but I hope I'll be around because the the cancer I have 
I mean, it came back once, and we're praying that it doesn't come back again. Yeah. That's so scary. Yeah. I remember when you were diagnosed, it was right after we moved here, I think. Yeah. I'm like 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Well, and I I did remember one huge painting I did when I was working at the dental lab. Oh, several. Anyway, one is of um, my three sons. And it's kind of a long story. Are we sort of at the end? We can talk. Well, so I I would love to hear this story. And then I maybe want to talk about just like your philosophies about art, maybe a little bit, but tell the story first. Okay. So because of my art, I did a painting of the McCune mansion. I sold it to, um, oh, I can't remember his name, but the previous owner of the Tribune okay. got enough money. We could go to the closing ceremonies of the Olympics. Oh, cool. So anyway, three guys were dressed up like Uncle Sam. And I took their picture. They were so cute. So I thought, I'm going to do a painting. But I thought, I don't know them. So I put my son's faces in that. It's a huge painting of them. And it's really a neat painting. Then I also did a huge painting of a horse with a cat in a meadow in California. And, excuse me, um, going a little horse. And then all surrounding the painting is California poppies. Wow. And that's a big painting. That's awesome. You, I love, I love like the time that we've been sitting here. You keep remembering like then amazing projects you've done. It's so cool. I love it. I, I have such an admiration for like, I'm, I'm really, maybe it's because like, I don't really have parents anymore. You know, my mom is gone and we were never close anyway. Like she wasn't a supportive person to me. And I'm, I'm a, I cut contact with my dad, um, about two years ago. And I, I've been thinking, I was even just thinking about it this morning. I feel such a, I feel such a longing for mentors and for parent figures. And I've found myself in the last couple of years, like very fascinated with especially older women and just hearing stories of like, what it's been like to, um, navigate your own creativity as your life changes, as your circumstances change. Those aren't really lessons that I can ask the women in my family about, cause I just don't have them really. Um, and it, it really is like, it's so inspiring to just, I don't know, hear what it's been like. To well, be- I've just had all sorts of, of terrible, terribly difficult things in my life. Yeah, you have. So hard. And I have overcome them. And th- but that was the women in my family. My mom had a very ugly divorce. And my dad, I saw one or two days out of the year growing up. Yeah. Cold person. So anyway, um, and, you know, we all were strong. We all it. have made it. I love it. Um, I'd love to hear like, okay, so... My podcast is called Artifice, which is such a cool word, yeah. but I like it because I feel like, I feel like one thing that I believe about art and especially about artists is that we have these unknown stories. We have these backstories, um, things that we're working through that maybe people would know or ways, you know, things that our art means to us that, uh, you know, maybe people wouldn't guess. And I also think it works the other way. Like maybe something that like this piece means to you means a different thing to the person who 
oh. who owns it, you know, just yes. these, these art is like these touch points between people. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know specifically what to ask, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on like how art is part of your identity, what being an artist means to you, or just well, any wisdom interesting you have to share. that you would say that because in my art class, even with the like eight-year-olds, I would um, say I came across my lesson plans and I would say, figure out, I want you to write down why you want to be an artist, what you're doing to be an artist, why it's important to you in your life. And, um, you know, I just think it's always been my identity. Yeah. It's always just been that. And so each thing that I've had happen to me physically has been so frustrating because it's like it's trying to force me to stop. It's trying to squash you. It's trying to squash me. But um, I just have always felt that way. My dad, when I told him I wanted to be an artist, he told me it was ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, tried to squash that. I mean, how did you... How did you keep going? Well, that was as a little kid. Yeah. But, I mean, you even know, so like, but, but the thing especially about, especially as a little kid, that's so hard to have that bravery to be like, no, you're wrong. I'm an artist. Yeah. It's, but the thing about it though, is it would have been good to have gotten my, I never finished my degree for circumstances and it would have been good for me to have something to fall back on. Fortunately for me, I got remarried very quickly and I didn't have to do that. But I just say to people that want to be in this career, hey, if we lived on my art, we'd live in the van down by the river. (laughs) We would. Yeah, it's tricky in our in our like economy. It's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, too. Art is such an important part of our mental and physical and emotional health as humans, all kinds of art, making art, consuming art. It's such an important part of our culture, but we're not great at valuing it with money in our country. The thing is, so I would have been very successful if I would have gotten out of Utah. And that was what happened towards the end of 1999. I decided I have to go outside of Utah. Mm. I have to get out. I was in a gallery in New York. Yeah. And anyway, I have to do that. But then I thought, no, that means traveling. I've already been through a divorce. Yeah. Do I want to have what's more important to me? My family was. Yeah. And that's when I decided, no, this is it. I can't make this my career. Yeah, that's really tricky. But one thing that I'm finding like very inspiring, inspiring about your story is, you know, in a time where like, especially as a woman, things are just working against you, you know, like in time, but you still, you still found a way to, to make so much art. And I don't know, that's really, really valuable. Well, I have to tell you one little quick story. Please. Because of my commission with the Christmas box house, I did a lot of print signings with Richard Paul Evans. Cool. And so I went to a lot of different ones. And one of them was up in northern Utah. I think it was in Logan. And he was not very nice. Yeah, it happens sometimes. He was not very nice. <laughs> sometimes and, people I mean, are not very nice. Chris went, I insisted that Chris go with me because I went to all these things myself. Yeah. It was a blizzard and all that. And 
oh, I was so mad at him because Richard Paul Evans, because he goes through his whole talk, everything, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, he says, oh, and by the way, Julie Jacobson is going to be signing her prints and with her friend, my husband. Uh, yeah. And so on the way home, Chris says to me, how can you stand it? How can you stand? How could you stand to be so humiliated by yeah. him? And towards the end, he would just like ignore me and stuff. But you know what? I think I made stupid mistakes, and I probably was at wrong too. But mm, un- probably not. <laughs> no, I was stupid. I said stupid. I was dumb. Well, no, the I, context but it was is so tricky. Ex- and yeah. learning experience for me, for sure. Yeah. So. Well, I'm proud of you and I'm glad. I mean, I I think for all the women in your generation who uh, found a way, I mean, I think about how hard it feels to me now. <laughs> it had to have been so much harder then. And it's oh. just incredibly brave to have, you know, believed in your creativity. I want to maybe ask you like two more things. Uh one is, do you have any thoughts about like why creativity like versus maybe just the arts, but creativity kind of in general is like a, as just like a, a brain skill, a heart skill, creative thinking, um, creative problem solving, like maybe why that you feel like it's important for people? Um, well, I think I know for me, because after having chemo and stuff, you know, it does kind of do things to your brain. And it's really important for me to do these things because it makes me think to be creative and, and f- have projects that are maybe not so easy and figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like um, being a creative helps you like be a better person? Well, I think maybe, I think maybe more interesting because I have something to talk about. Yeah. That's for sure. But um, I don't know. Um, what about like just, I don't know, in maybe how you see the world or see like different people or kind of different problems? Do you, do you feel like you have a unique like view? I think I'm kind of a rebel. Yeah. That's kind of, maybe that's kind of what I mean. I think like it's difficult to be a creative person and not be a little bit of a rebel. Yeah. I mean, I'm like what? I don't want to do that. That, that doesn't make sense to me or no, I don't know about that. Maybe it teaches you to kind of like, just, yeah, think differently, think outside of the box. I don't know. It feels really valuable to me. Yeah. I feel like if we cultivate those creative skills in our hearts and minds, it's so much easier to have empathy for people, especially people who are different from you. I don't know. Well, there are certainly quite a few people that are square pegs trying to fit into the round hole. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. Do you have any um, just general advice for people who have that kind of the, the disease? The, <laughs> the disease? Art disease. Um, <laughs> well, if you are the type that paints or draws, get a sketchbook because that really is important. And keep your sketchbooks because you never know. You might go back and find things like, I could do a whole painting out of this, or I like this character or, um, but also just to keep going at it and also surround yourself with people that are creative. And I didn't have to 
try because my sisters sisters. are that way. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, she's doing so many paintings. That's not fair. I better get down there and do more myself. (laughs) I love it. I love that. It's not fair. I want to paint. Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome. Uh, I love it so much. It's such a joy to talk with you. And I've been wanting to interview you ever since I started this podcast. You're like one of the very first people I thought of, but then (laughs) you had cancer and then there was a global pandemic. Um, So I'm so happy to talk with you now. Um, I always ask everybody two questions at the end. um, But is there anything else you want to say before I ask those? Oh, I have so many stories to tell, but can't fit it in. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're always welcome to come back if you want to tell more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I ask everybody two questions at the end. The first one is, what's your dream collaboration? Who is someone who you'd love to work with? And it could be any medium. It could be, you know, maybe a place that you'd want to paint in. Anything you want. Just what's what's a what's a dream project or a dream collaboration? Uh don't know if I have that as far as painting with somebody because I or somebody who you'd like to paint or somewhere uh or anything I just I well I just don't have anything like that I because I feel like I'm lucky to be where I'm at Mm. and my cards that I have done one of the reasons I'm doing them is because I want somebody to have something of me yeah. Because I don't know how long I'm going to be around. Yeah. And so they'll all have a little something of me. Yeah. I think so that's so beautiful. Oh, sorry, go ahead. So anyway, but I do have one big painting that I want to do of some horses that are up at our cabin. That I have a picture of and I love the beauty of our cabin up there and. Yeah, I can tell you put a lot of love into that. I've heard you talk about it a bunch of times. And that's creative, yeah. too. You're building a little um, sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah, and I also feel like it's it's part of this art disease, I think, to want to leave something precious, to leave um, a little bit of yourself, like to leave a little bit of your mark. I think we all feel that way, and that's, I don't know. It's pretty brave. It's pretty brave, I think. So. Yeah. I feel, I feel proud of you and grateful for your work. Thank you. And then I ask everybody too, to tell us where they can find your work. Where can we find your work? Oh, well, they can look at my blog. It's laughinghorseart.blogspot.com. Okay, great. And there's a ton of watercolors at the beginning, but if you go backwards in time, you'll see a lot of my big paintings, but also... I have done a lot of tutorials. Cool, cool. That's awesome. With my weird technique that I told you about. The doodling technique. Yeah, so they can see it there. I I used to be in a lot of galleries and stuff, but I just don't feel the need for that anymore. That's okay. Yeah, it's kind of like a different type of a validation or something, and it's not maybe what you're like after these days. Yeah. That's cool. Well, Julie, it's a pleasure and an honor to know you, and I'm so happy you came to talk with me. Well, it's really fun to know you because you're so interesting and gorgeous, (laughs) and I love your music, and (laughs) I've been telling everybody about it. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for talking with me. Okay. 
Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.